0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to Strictly Hoops with CJ Miles. Rate, Here's, review, and subscribe push on your every podcast button. platforms and on YouTube. Every like button. and subscribe there as well as the great CJ Miles just great, said.
1: Man, the your great intros have been fire lately. Man, you make me feel you. like I can do anything during the day. You know, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> hey, no, you. I can me. do anything. No,
0: no, 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 no
1: that's crazy. how we doing bro how we doing i'm doing good doing good man you know yeah living the life working at home taking the kids to school you know can't complain we
0: have the same life that's crazy (laughs) (laughs) um okay so with cj today a couple of things we haven't actually done a strictly hoops like podcast in a little while um so it's going to be a bit on jj reddick coaching slash player coaches having a bigger influence on today's NBA versus years prior. For starters, JJ Redick, the cycle that we're seeing now, and this is the trend that I'm seeing is, let me put it this way, front office staff being mm-hmm. more, more populated with people that are just out of the league, like mm-hmm. you know four or five years. And I find a lot of that has to do with um, today's NBA, the culture in which is in mm-hmm. today's NBA and how it's different from years past. And I think nowadays, current players gravitate more towards mm-hmm. other players who have been in the league, been in the trenches, who understand their plight. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. More so than uh, other generations. What is your takeaway from from that? Like, Do you see that kind of trend happening as well?
1: Yeah, I think it's great. I mean, not that I don't think there's been good coaches that weren't players. I just think it's great because one, like you said, players getting to see somebody who directly understands the situation, knows, yeah. been in it, can talk to me from experience, all these things, like it definitely definitely changes the, the the weight of the voice a little bit. But then the two thing we gotta look at is that the game has changed so much over the past what, you wanna say decade. Yeah. Like, let's just say that or even further than that. But like the game has changed so much that there's a spot we get to where that old style of play that coaches had, that the coaches you were digging to, they can't coach that style of play now. Hmm. So like because the game is changing, the way it's changing, taking people right out of it is the best way to get ahead of it because they already have an understanding of what it is. I don't have to learn how to coach in this. This is the way I just played it. This is sure. why Jason Kidd had success right out coming into it like that. And then there wasn't so much of a learning curve as the game was changing because he wasn't that far away. And you see more and more coaches doing this now. They're filling their styles with players right out of the game so he can keep up with these kids and keep it young and understand what's going on. Um, and then you even got it on this side, like what we're doing right now. I hmm. think people the same way with the players, people just hearing people that come directly from it that can speak about the game, that can speak from that other side that's been in the locker room, that's been on the plane at 2.30 in the morning when y'all figuring out how we're going to beat this team in game four, all these different things. Like, that's a different perspective. And it carries over in everything. And it it also, last point, that it brings light to guys learning the business side and the Mm -hmm. other side of really studying the game and really understanding what it takes to manage those personalities and teammates.
0: Something that has come up in other cases, and I'm talking, I guess, mainly about a Steve Nash and that you could say that was a unique situation, but it seemed like you saw where you do something like that and it could go wrong. You know what I mean? Like he had great assistant. There was Kenny Atkinson, there was Ime Udoka, there were Mm -hmm. other guys behind him. And I think that was the idea is that, you know, Although Steve is kind of raw when it comes to being a true head coach, we have these guys who can support and whatever happened, happened. But do you worry about that for someone like a JJ Redick or someone else that maybe they aren't ready to be necessarily a head coach, no different than we might say an assistant coach who is separate from the whole player side of things, maybe they're just not ready to take on that responsibility. Like why would a player be better positioned to do it? Or perhaps, you know, what could be some of the challenges, even for someone like yourself, like what would be a challenge that you're just like, maybe I'm not ready to
1: do that. I think the hardest thing, if we just speak on Steve Nash's situation, was just the situation. Like you got three Mm. of the best players. Yeah. Arguably to ever play this game sitting in front of you and – they already wanted an established coach for that because they felt like they needed that for them. Like they needed, like they need they, those three needed a coach that had been coaching for their psyche. Not, yeah. I don't think it was so much Steve Nash. I think it was just the outlook they had on in front of the beginning. Like sure, I've been, I've been with coaches better than him in my mind already. Hmm. Why would you bring that in here when we trying to win? Cause they, they got so much control because those are the three, three best players of their time period really of their generation right like um but i think it's just the temperament of the guy i think he gotta he gotta set his tone i think jj has a pretty good temperament like i think he has a temperament that that can coach that can hold the room that guys respect and not i think so too do Mm -hmm. do enough to not take no bull but like at the same time not try to like overdo yeah. it i think he's somewhere in that on that fine line of his knowledge of the game and understanding long career
0: definitely he so he's seen different phases of basketball yeah, yeah. um so doc rivers was just fired by the philadelphia 76ers and what podcast was it i forget which one he was on but rasheed wallace was talking about doc rivers and the season that he had in with the celtics and doc was a coach and he was saying that you know Doc wasn't the best at making adjustments on the fly. He's like, if anything, when we were on the court, you would think of the minds that were on there, Rondo, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, Rasheed Wallace, like Doc was like, he's a, he's a motivational coach. He can do that. He's like, but when it came to like actually making the adjustments on the court, it's like, it was us. We would huddle before we got on there and we would do our thing. And that's been a criticism of, of Doc in years prior too. So, it's like the balance like you want, especially for players nowadays, where it, I think we are seeing that the head coaching role, that could be why we're seeing so much turnover is that the role itself is being minimized for whatever reason. And mm-hmm. so sometimes you do just need a player coach type of person or a motivational person, someone who can kind of get players locked in game by game versus an X's and O's person.
1: Because I think that speaks to the one, the greatness of the players, right? can yeah. But the way the game is played relies so much on the IQ now. It's such an open style of play. Like, I don't need the X's and O's guys when we don't run X's and O's. Like, yeah. and there's not a lot of plays ran. They ran out of timeouts and in the game. And even those are just to get your best guy in a space to be one-on-one most of the time. Exactly. So, like, it's not so much X's and O's anymore. Because it's freedom to react,
0: essentially, right? Yeah,
1: the IQ of the freedom. player is so much mm-hmm. higher and it's so much freedom in the game that it's taken away from... The head coach being looked, being looked at as a mastermind of what they could be, but they also can't coach that way because some of these players deep. Because if I control a Kyrie Irving or a Kevin Durant or a James Harden or a Devin Booker too much, it allows the defense to be able to guard them better Yeah, because I put them in this box. There's mm-hmm. no read and react to what they're doing. It's like, we're going to run these sets that always got you in this position on this side of the floor, or we're going to start the base of this the same way every time, and we're going to run them off this screen to get them there and just try to – read. we can figure them out. Now, if I just yeah. let them play and play with pace and tempo and they just play off what the defense is doing or not doing, it's different. Hmm. Like, we're not running the 1-4 high UCLA like we used to run in Utah no more in the league. Like no. they- People, You wouldn't be able to score. Yeah. That's the other thing. The game's come so far. We've seen so much. We've seen everything.
0: The defenses are are too good. And also the offenses are so much better when you do have this free-flowing style. And we've seen with the Toronto Raptors, they were trying to implement that this season. And I always looked at the Boston Celtics. I mean, they've had their tribulations during the playoffs. But during the regular season, we saw how effective it could be where you have players that are just always in tune with each other. And okay, that's we're slipping towards the basket. We're going to cut here. And when you have that, now you're unpredictable. That's probably the biggest thing that all offenses want right now is you want to be unpredictable. And you're trying to, during your coaching sessions, during your practices, during your film sessions, as a coach, you're probably trying to preach that. How can we be unpredictable? So on the court, you're barely even listening. Like you don't need to even look at me. Cause you just know, you know what I mean?
1: And, the, and you can and get other, that better
0: from a player, is what I was going to get. You can yeah. maybe get that better from a player.
1: And the other thing is the skill sets of every position has grown to play this way, which is what allowed, which is what took away from the X and O's too. Because mm. back then I had to run the X and O's because I didn't. My fort man wasn't handling the ball and doing. My fort man was two sixty and set screens yeah, and rolling. And then when you know everybody's was so specific now. I'm able to be so spontaneous because I got mm. four guys that can play the point guard on the floor. Yeah, I got five guys that can shoot threes, three guys that can beat. Like nobody was, we didn't how, think about how many times you watched the guard be the pick and roll guy at the top with the point guard. Yes. People didn't do that. That wasn't a thing back there was the mm. big guy. Get up there and scream.
0: Cool fact.
1: The game is all kinds of inverted pick and rolls. Exactly. So now, like you said, when you see a player who's been in it, done it, understands a little bit Mm -hmm. more of the nuances of when because he's on the floor of what kind of skill set we need to work on or what I can do to manipulate these things. That's hard to see some coaches, a coach that hasn't played some of that stuff. He just can't see. Right. He's just yeah. not on the floor. He can watch all the film of it. He can see what you're doing, but he had to come to you to ask you why and the technique of it and the thing. So, like, if you just put the player there and he's hmm. the one teaching that since we just opened and he's just teaching guys off everything he already seen and what what's being done right now, it's a little different. He just got to be able to hold the room.
0: Yeah. No, true. And part of holding the room is you need to ensure that the players respect you. Mm-hmm. that that means a lot and i think another part of this too is and i don't know if you heard messiah jury during his end of season presser is that he was stressing that like i hope you guys see that free agency is over yeah. it's player transactions players decide where they want to go yeah players decide Press where they want to go, go and that happens and now you look at that and okay so if you want to bring in a jj Redick, and personally i don't think that I'm not sure if they're even going to, I think the Raptors are just truly scouting. They're in mm-hmm. a learning phase. They haven't been in this um, situation where they're looking for a coach for a little while. And the NBA has changed as we're talking about, you know, mm-hmm. 2019 Raptors to now, like it's a, it's a very different NBA. Yeah. And, um, the,
1: coaching and so pool, the, the coaching pool, the coaching pool is different too. Like I think it's, we exactly. had the coaching, the coaching pool was one way for so long. It's, yep. it's different now. Like,
0: and so they're taking their time, but at the same time, you think about a JJ Redick. you bring him into your front office. That is going to be appealing for free agents, for mm-hmm. players on other teams. They're going to pay attention to that. And I yeah. think Rico Hines, that addition, that had a part of it too. Not like Rico, taking yeah. anything away. Yeah, not taking anything away from Rico and how he can help a player develop, but he is a name. He yeah. is a person that is well respected throughout NBA circles amongst players. I, I know you,
1: what I'm getting from Rico.
0: Exactly. Like, I don't have and to you trust guess. him. Yeah. Yes. Same with feel handy. Him.
1: Same uh-huh. with like these guys like that on the staffs. you know what you're getting out of them. And like with JJ, like you said, if it's a guy that you respect that I know of, I know, and I know there's a fresh look at the way we're going to play coming in. Like a lot yeah. of times, like if it's a coach that I've been playing against my career or I've seen or been around, I kind of know if he gets hired, I know what kind of tactics he's bringing and I can kind of decide mm-hmm. on I, yeah. I don't really want to play for him. I don't like the way he liked to play. Like that can kind of be a, could be a good thing yeah. or a bad thing. The same with the player bringing in JJ could be a good thing or a bad thing. Some people could want somebody who's been sure. doing this and been doing it. And some people could want that fresh outlook because they've been trying and trying AKA Damian Lither. But I'm just saying <laughs> like, I'm yeah. just, I'm just saying yeah. these yeah, are the yeah, type yeah. of guys. They might need something different.
0: Definitely. And within this player's, league. It is a player's league now. That's what Masai was saying too. Mm -hmm. Having someone who is liked by everybody. You see the names that JJ gets on his podcast and that's just an example. Um, Yeah. Yeah. We're using JJ as an example with this, but it could be anyone else. That matters. And you want players to be Uh, Happy accepting of a trade to the Toronto Raptors and the Raptors do have some assets. I don't know. I'm just saying, like, I think that's what Masai is going for. You want to bring in someone with a fresh outlook who the current NBA scope, current players um, like, and they want to rock with, as
1: you said. That's important. He said he wanted culture. He wanted new culture. That's what he talked about. That's it. That's that's it. That's the thing we talk about. You want new culture. You need new minds. You need new outlooks. You You need new voices, right? So at least some, some, I mean, obviously, we know there's going to be some because the head coach and head coach usually brings in a couple of guys of his own. So definitely or, at least, or he gets to have some input on the guys anyway. Last
0: question on this. Who do you think? So based off a of player's 16 year NBA career, what kind of player would probably make the best coach? Would it be a person who was like a number one option on a team? Would it be a point guard? Would it be a person who was a role player off the bench? Would it be a shooter? What could it be? A center? Do you think there's any connection there? Because I find that with hockey, for for instance, it's like the the guys who are like the third line grinders slash like defensive players; those are the ones that end up being you know NHL coaches. Is there something to that with the NBA?
1: I I, I don't know. Like I, I, think about that. Like you, some you would think a great point guard would be a great head coach, right? You would yeah. think. And there's been cases where there has not been that. And there's been and then there's cases obviously where they are that they've been that. I think there's um. I think it, I think it more than the position. I think it depends on like when you look at the player, the way they played the game. Like, cause you can tell how much study they put into it, how much they paid attention to every position and every. I think that tells me more than the actual position because it could be a center that could be a great coach because he just paid attention to different particular things some guys just go hoop and they just just they just like it's not really broken down too much some guys just have a natural ability to read and react and just be a freak of nature and some guys need that mental side and I think a lot of times those those guys that end up being coaches have been on great teams They played, they got to like the really, really high level of basketball because it gets to a point where that's mandatory to see the game this way. Now, you can't just go out there and just play because I'm gonna play the same game, same team at the most seven times, and they're gonna take away something every game.
0: Mm. They're
1: gonna do something different every game. So, I gotta be able to see that and what it is, and what I can do, and how we can meticulously break this team down for four or five games to win this thing. And I think that's a big key. You see Jason Kidd, Doc Rivers, J.J. Reddy did that at a high level. Um, It's a bunch of – I'm just naming off the top of my head, but a bunch of coaches that were – not saying Steve Nash didn't have that. He just didn't have a good run that time. Mark Jackson was another guy. Um, Steve Mm -hmm. Kerr is another guy, played at the highest level of a team, probably played at one point, right? Definitely. Look at these coaches that make it there, that were players in the league, usually they played – they were winning, winning teams. See, I always thought that
0: players, and it could be shooters, but just players who just have like this different kind of work ethic who are very meticulous. And that's why shooters came to mind for me mm-hmm. because with coaching, from what I understand about it, like you are putting in possibly more hours than any player is. Mm-hmm. If you want to make sure that your team is as good as it can be with the film work, with the the personal relationships with everything that you got to do to prepare for every single game, every single practice, it—it probably feels like it's like a 24 Mm seven job itself and players is the same thing too, but it just feels like it's a bit of a different grind for a player Um, for a coach. It's just so much grunt work and the dog days and being able to get through those Mm -hmm. when you don't really want to do it and things like that. Um, It just seems like it would be something that would cater to, you know, a former point guard, or a shooter
1: to someone that has to do just like a ridiculous amount of um, to a former good player. Right. Yeah. Somebody who understands the grind, which goes into what we talk about, a guy that was on a winning team of winners. Winners usually have that type of some type of work ethic, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think the other thing too, is being a player and being in locker rooms and and seeing the type of players and seeing their reaction to their coaches is a benefit. Yeah. Because right. Coaches aren't around players all the time. A player mm-hmm. that goes to go coaches around players all the time was in the locker room, knows the gripes guys have with coaches and, and they use, they tend to be the same. Some of it be the same, no matter where you go. Right. So yeah, having yeah, that yeah. to your benefit also helps too. Cause I think knowing a player's personality allows you to see guys. Sure. Like understand how much it means. Like when you got this guy that's fell out of rotation and been working Month after month. And the second you get him a chance to get him a chance to play, you get him in there. Like, mm-hmm. or just letting him know that it's seen, letting him know that what he's doing is not going to unnoticed and things like that. Uh, and, and just being able to talk to guys, like uh-huh. talk to them, like have an open line of communication. Look, you're not playing right now. Here's why this is what's going on. Having that open level of thing makes, makes teams run so much smoother, I've seen.
0: Closing thoughts, CJ? Or is that, uh, is that a pod it. right there? That's, That's, it. A pod. That's a pod. There we go. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Doses. hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back. We'll be around.
1: around. easy.